From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Now let's see what were we were talking about. Oh, that's right, cars. Uh, we do that a lot. Yeah. It's uh, kind of our never regular phone call. You know that. If <laughs> my, my wife, my wife is shocked when you and I hang out and she gets to have a conversation with you that relates to something other than cars. I was gonna say when she, she sticks her head and she she says, "Wait, you guys aren't talking about cars? Like, what's wrong exactly. with you people? It's hilarious." Did you know? Did you know? I haven't told you this actually. My son wants to do a party for all of his friends that is car themed. He doesn't even really know what that means, but he just thinks it would be fun to hang out with all of his friends and talk about cars. So apparently, this is what we're passing on. Because he's got us as influence. I mean, that's exactly. all we do. And for all exactly. of you listening, it's our regular phone call. I mean, obviously, we talk about what we're going to be shooting next and business for the show, but then we just talk yep. about ideas. And it's funny because even though Todd's not shopping anymore, I still kind of am. We. We still scroll through ads and we still send each other stuff. We still act stuff like we're shopping. Yeah, we still act like we're, we're shopping. We're constantly yeah. shopping, Ridiculous. which is so funny. And yep. you all are shopping and it's fun to help you. And uh, somebody wrote in here, this is Kerry for our first debate. He's from Oklahoma City. Yep. And he yep. wrote in here, <laughs> I had to laugh. He said, you guys are sort of car therapists, I guess. <laughs> we're not only car therapists to you guys, but we're car therapists to each other. I'll have you oh, know. Oh, yeah, it's frightening. I it's think that's hilarious. Yes. I laughed when I saw that. And then uh, DeVore uh, in Chicago, he writes in as well. He's looking for some ideas and considering an all-wheel drive car for uh, he and his wife. I'm not sure if they're sharing a car or not. That's a little unclear. He said they both got new jobs and they need a new car. And I've got a pretty good budget. So uh, there's some ideas yeah, there. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's going to be cool. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's debating the, the all-wheel begin. drive thing. Whether or not whether or not he needs the all-wheel drive, I'm not sure. But I wanted to call out uh, a long-term listener of, our, of ours named Mark. And uh, Mark's been with us for a long time. He's written in a lot of comments. When we ask for, for you guys to comment on the show, Mark almost always writes in. And we appreciate That's that. That's great. We Thanks, Mark. We are listening to all of your comments, as always. But Mark wrote in with an interesting question. He said, hey, can you guys talk about... Forced induction versus natural aspiration. Can we talk about uh, you know forced induction or not, essentially, and how that's being changed mainly by regulations? Why it's becoming so ubiquitous to have turbos or superchargers, yeah. and you know is is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Just our perspective on that, which is an interesting question. I mean, you know that gets discussed a lot, and you know we've laughed. Paul's actually done a better job of it than me. Making you, you're probably going to need to say it. The what is it? The to to supercharger that Audi's <laughs> using now? Super supercharging. The, yeah, exactly. You see the 2.0 T, and you think, Tur nope, supercharged. That's it. Yeah, it, it's turbo. It, it says T. You'd think turbo. No, no, it's supercharged. <laughs> and if, if you don't know the difference, here's here's kind of the. This is not going to be a great description, but here's kind of my audio description of what the differences are. No, I'm not going to try to make the noise of these engines. But but when you have a turbo, it's it's like it's like bolting a hair dryer to your to your car. Okay, and that hair dryer is driven by the exhaust gases. Okay, so one side of the turbine is being driven by the exhaust gases. The other side is spooling up and pressurizing the incoming fresh air and pushing more into your engine. Your engine senses more air, gives it more fuel. I'm massively simplifying, but that's a turbo. But it, the key, key thing there is that it's being driven by the exhaust gases. Unlike a supercharger, which is being driven by the drive shaft of the engine. So when the engine is spinning at 1,000 RPMs, the supercharger is already spinning. There's no ramp up to pressure. It's always spinning. 
So they have a slightly different feel there. And then, of course, you have natural aspiration, which has none of the above and has its own personality. So three very different worlds. Yeah. If you're listening, clarification on that two-liter engine. I did not mean all Audi engines are two-liter supercharged engines. I know they're turbos. So if you're furiously typing already about that, I know that that's the same engine that they but, put. But it, but it is funny because you can see all kinds of I just use that example. But you know what I mean. You can see all kinds of A6s out there now. A7. Yeah. That A7 we drove was a yeah, great example. That, that's a better it example. Three point oh T on the back, and then you look on the side quarter panel, and it says supercharged. It's like, folks at Audi, make up your mind, okay? I'm it's starting to carry a camp. Sharpie with me, you know that? And I write on people's exactly. cars. I supercharged. <laughs> yes. They really like that's, that, that's too. So, that's so very you, yes. Yeah. But you know what? It's in that same camp as what are the Germans doing on the, in the 911 naming, where it's 993, 996, 997, <laughs> then the 991. I mean, what what's going on over there? I mean, you're supposed to be, this is the land of precision. What's what's happening here? <laughs> land of precision. It's true. Well, but you, you it's would so think, funny. You would think if somebody was going to say a three-liter T on the back of their car and then it happened to be supercharged, the Germans are the last people on my list that I think would do that. Yeah. I can see somebody just being like, put a supercharged badge on the side. I don't care. But, you know, it – <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But the Germans decided to do that. With, yeah, let's let that pass. That's fine. Well, so you know, anyway, I, I've so there really are been, differences uh, in those engine types, but it's they're they're still both forced induction. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we've talked about this about uh, the Cayman that I used to own. That lovely shove in the back that is natural aspiration mm -hmm. in the higher RPMs. And you commented every time you drove it, you're like, oh, I miss that feeling. And mm -hmm. I'm sort of going the other way. Loving you turbos are, more and more, and I guess it's because I haven't lived with them. I haven't really I'm trying to think. I've never, I've never owned a turbocharged car. I've driven yeah, lots of them, true, yeah. but I've never owned one. I mean, I've got a big well, I mean, V8 and the Jeep now, which is lovely, yeah. and you know it does put out a lot of power. But that that turbo thrust is so awesome. I love there's a, that there's a key. There is a massively massive key difference in feel here. And there are real benefits to both. But, I mean, the reason that turbochargers are becoming so ubiquitous, I mean, go back 10, certainly 15 years ago, and if something was a turbo, it was badged as many ways as possible because that was not common. You know, and you go back, watch the Saab lineup and all the things that they turbocharge, and everybody else is going, what's a turbo? You know, I mean, there, there's there's been brands that have done a lot of it and brands that have almost ignored it. But now everyone is doing it. And, of course, I've made fun of the the Ford products, EcoBoost. Yeah, you turbocharged it. Congratulations. So, you know, I mean, you can call it whatever you want. But you know, speaking it's, it's of true. marketing, it's though, true. I had a friend who, uh, I, I was, he's not a car guy, and I was describing, you know, stuff we were working on and what we're doing and filming, and he said, Turbo, I thought that was just a, like, a marketing thing. That means actually has more <laughs> power. And on one hand, I thought, really? You haven't hung out with me? You've, you've hung out with me all this time, and you haven't – that hasn't gotten in. On the other hand, with the EcoBoost thing, it is just marketing. EcoBoost is now just yeah. – why don't you just put the turbo? Everybody knows this name. We yeah. know what it does. Well, most of us. Exactly. But if you're listening, exactly. you probably do, and I, <laughs> come but, on. But what's happened? what's happened is in the name of – I mean, you can talk about the cafe standards in Europe. You can talk about the, the, US, the U.S. standards. I mean, whatever standards you want to, want to chase. The reality of it is globally everybody is pursuing less carbon emissions and more gas mileage. Well, that in almost every case means a smaller engine is what's going to accomplish that. But you've still got to get the power that you're, that the person that bought the last version of the car expects. And hopefully they probably even want more power than the last version. How do you accomplish both of the above? 
Well, that's where forced induction comes in. That's it. It is kind of required to get there. And we're talking about higher yeah. and higher. I mean, I forget what the stand, next standard is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a fleet standard of like 45 or 50 MPG. That's a tiny engine that is turboed within an inch of its life. So you remember uh, this is a, this is a funny example, and you'll remember this. And if you're listening, the uh, I want to remind you about the uh, Aston Martin Signet. Do you remember this car? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah, a yeah. gussied oh, up yes. Toyota IQ. And I know, they, I know. They, and you could only buy it if you bought an Aston Martin, yeah. but then this was the well, way that they – Yeah, keep going, keep going. It's, it's hand-stitched leather. It's all the stuff <laughs> that you would regularly get in an Aston. I think it was 60000 or more U.S. dollars. It was expensive. Gussied up. It even had the same emotion control unit thing. Oh, yes. It was, it was an key. Astonized yeah. – uh-huh. Toyota IQ, and everybody knew what, I like, what they were doing. I like Astonized. Astonized is exactly <laughs> Astonized. what they did. You're right. You're it absolutely was right. super fuel efficient because the most fuel efficient actual Aston Martins get about 16 miles to the gallon when you're barely <laughs> feathering the throttle. And everybody knew idling. what they were doing, and that yep. was to offset yep. their cafe standards so they could sell V12s with the glorious noise that they make to all these rich people in mm-hmm. Monaco, mm-hmm. Well, wherever. Yep. And yep. make this thing, and it had like a 97 horsepower engine, a stupid CVT transmission, and just nastiness. And you think, why? What? Oh, yes, I'll take the V12, it's, please. Yeah. And, it's, uh, well, and it's, it's everything on. to do. I love, I love the fact that you couldn't buy it unless you bought the Aston. It wasn't like you could <sighs> go into an Aston Martin dealer and go, I'd like a Signet, please, because yeah, they wouldn't sell you one, which is one of the things I love was hysterical. Car. Well, yeah, you, you wouldn't. But, but I just think it's funny that it wasn't even possible. But yeah, it, it comes down to I mean look at look at the American automakers. You've got, you know, the Chevy Spark on one end and you've got the super heavy duty could haul the planet around Chevy pickup on the other end. Right. Those those are existing to cancel each other out and create an average fleet standard. That's the thing when you when you see that number it's all that's like fleet wise. It's like automaker yeah. wide. And so what happens also is you get a niche automaker. The Aston Martin's a fantastic rec- uh discussion on this, by the way, bravo on that, because you get a niche automaker and they have a ton of trouble if they only make one kind of car. They have to get a waiver or they have to do something crazy like the Signet idea to make this work. But yeah, it's it's all about chasing it's, that number and that standard. And then, of course, we, this is another- excess over in one corner while we make this, <laughs> for, the, for the greenies over here that, you know- <laughs> Fits right in with the Prius crowd, and you know if you're listening and you drive a Prius, we, we're sorry. We wait. We we may have murdered a room full of people, but you know what? We brought a lot of good cleaning products and bleach. Oh my gosh! Anyway, uh, so exactly. but it's I don't about know the where the average. That came from. And well, but, but here's here's the difference. Here's the key thing. I feel like when you drive both, because part of Mark's question is: Is anything being lost? And it, it, this is like the – I feel like it's very similar. It's related to the stick shift discussion. And that is, is anything being lost? Yes. Are we going to miss it? I don't know. Because one of the things – you know, I have this FRS now, and you've kind of teased me about it because here I am living in the mountains, and I just went from a turbo car to a non-turbo car. Yeah, exactly. A low-power a low power non-turbo car. You've been giving me endless crap about it, and I, and I deserve it on one level. <laughs> but what's interesting is when you get in a naturally aspirated uh, car – there is something unbelievably, we use this word a lot, but it's very true. There's something unbelievably linear about that power delivery. And what I mean by that is the more percentage of throttle you're getting, the more power you're getting. The more to the floor you go and the more that RPM starts to climb. The higher in the RPMs it gets, guess what? It gets more and more and more and more powerful. That's a naturally aspirated tendency. Turbos, 
blow that out of the water. <laughs> yes, you can't except look, you for can't your look car. at the tech. Well, but, 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 but yes, but what I'm saying is though, you can't look at a tachometer in a turbo car and be like, well, at 5,000, it's definitely going to be incrementally more than at 3,000. No, it's not. Because you could get in the new WRX, for example, and yeah. suddenly at 2,000 yeah. RPMs, you've got major boost, and it just hangs out there equally powerful until 5,000 before it starts to drop away. You're right. The problem with the Sabaru was the traditional turbo problem of because that hairdryer is dragging on the engine until it gets spooled up, there was nothing, 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 nothing until like 3,500. And then there was a hint, just a hint that the car might be powerful. And then by 4,000, it was genuinely fast. Yes. But my wife didn't yes. like it because leaving from a stoplight, she felt like she was going to get killed. The FRS is actually faster, zero to 20 or 30, than that Sabaru because it's just naturally aspirated it's not being Except weighed down after that goes. you put two bodies in it and i feel like i have to get out and paddle to help you move the thing I forward know. it's i know going and speaking of you know putting a hairdryer in your car i've read uh recently that audi was doing that very thing experimenting with electric turbochargers essentially just yeah, yeah. an electric blower and i say why not sure. I'm, I'm seeing more and more of you know not only aftermarket conversion kits but also OEMs playing with this technology, and I say why not, because as you mentioned at the top of the show, supercharging is great. It's instant, but it puts far more drag on your engine. I mean, it's a belt driven around the crank, and therefore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your driveline losses are exponential in comparison to a turbo. Turbo, yes, lag is generally gone. WRX is excluded from that discussion, but yeah. turbo lag is, you know, no longer a thing, but, you know, they could... Uh, you know, possibly do better in terms of uh, not just emissions, but uh, in terms of getting that better power balance and uh, fuel economy. Turbocharging well, is I mean, the way the to go, things... and that's why cafe standards are, you know, car manufacturers aren't doing the Aston Martin thing. They're not Astonizing their cars no, anymore. It was no, sort no, of a they're... joke. They're actually putting turbos on to deal with this by, you know, across their model range. And that's why yes, Ford's doing the EcoBoost on everything. Of they even do it on F-150 trucks now. The thing that's lost is that incremental throttle feel. And I have noticed it on your Cayman, and I've noticed it now that I've got the FRS. Tiny little incremental changes. I mean, like, like bend, your, you bend your, toe, your big toe on the throttle, and you can see it change the throttle and change the feel of the car. And, and now driving with your throttle is this very exact science. Little movements of the throttle in that FRS or an old Porsche or whatever your naturally aspirated proclivity is, you can actually sense that. Whereas the the turbo is it's kind of instant on. Now maybe you prefer to drive that way, but there is something, and I know it, it is very much for me like the stick shift. There's something engaging about that natural aspiration and the way that throttle pedal interacts with the car in a similar way to a stick shift. That yes, we are losing something, Mark, by not having it. But I don't know that. When you go to DSGs and turbocharged engine, do you miss it? I think that's personal preference. If you do any modifications to your car, I think that's something you need to investigate is something involving power. And, you know, maybe it's a Agreed. You know, aftermarket Agreed. electric turbocharger system or mm -hmm. even just, mm -hmm. you know, what most people are doing just to turbocharge their FRS and BRZs. I think that's something you should investigate. But don't forget about your brakes because anytime you upgrade your power, many yeah, people yeah. forget about brakes. And we've recently tracked that car. I mean, for street driving, the brakes are fine. But for anything They're more fine. than that, They're as soon great. as you start adding power, I think they kind of go hand in hand. But 
of course, then there's the cost on top of that. So I realize sure, that's, sure. you know, sort of doubling the cost to get more power. But I, 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 I like it. I keep wanting to like it more when I get onto a straightaway and I go, come on, baby, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. You've got a lot of pedal movement and little changes make a difference. And there is that watch the RPMs and the RPMs is the direct connection to how much power you've got. All of these things start to be kind of muted and to some degree taken away from you as you go into turbo and supercharging because they're essentially playing with the torque map. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. I joke about the, the, the current WRX, which, of course, is that FRS engine with a turbo. It's like just off of idle, welcome to full boost. And it just hangs out there. Yeah. It's just this, plat- this plateau of yeah. torque. Your RPM is now irrelevant to how powerful the car is. Hmm. Is that a downside? I'm not saying that it is a downside, but I am saying something about a kind of connection that you have to learn is being lost there. Before we continue with the car debates, everybody listening, have you had a chance to rate and review our podcast? If you haven't, please do so. That would really help us yes, out. Yes, please. Yes, please. We, we look for your comments, and uh, like I said, not just comments on YouTube, but uh, give us a note, drop us a line, and uh, rate and review the podcast. Cause it helps uh, bump us up in the standings, and as you can see, we'll send that out on Twitter. You know, We'll occasionally post that out where either a podcast mm-hmm. or whether the show, the actual car debate show – rates in yeah. terms of our uh, our peers in uh, automotive journalism. So rate and review us. That would help us a lot. We would love it. Thank you so much for doing that. And, and you can do it on iTunes. You can do it on Stitcher. Anywhere you listen to the podcast, they probably will allow you to rate it, and that helps other people find it. So that's a great point, man. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, debating. Uh, this is Kerry uh, in Oklahoma. He's the guy that said, mm-hmm. you're sort of car therapist. And I, I just I love that because uh, he's got this – long list and <laughs> oh man you've got to hear the situation here he's got uh, a couple of kids he's married two kids mm-hmm. carrie i've got some crazy ideas for you so we've got to describe Uh-oh. your story first Uh-oh. just so everybody listening can get a sense of what we're dealing with here i've read your email which is really long and great with information so his yep. wife has a 2011 jeep grand cherokee hey love it and he is writing in because he's looking for either one or two vehicles. The reason why is mm-hmm. his current vehicle is a truck. He's a truck guy. He's got an 09 <laughs> GMC. It's the 2500 HD crew cab, solid rear axle, obviously. Crew he's cab, not, diesel, four-wheel drive, monster huge, truck. Huge, okay? huge truck. And so what Kerry is telling us, and therefore you guys, is he doesn't tow all that much. The ride is terrible, obviously, when you don't have anything that you're towing and waiting down the, the springs in the back. And he sold his fun car. And so, therefore, he still feels like he needs a truck. It's got to be crew cab, again, because of the kids, because of his wife, because of doing some do-it-yourself well, work and, and maybe his, some His kind of work... His kind of work requires a truck. That's the key thing. Carrie is not one of those people who's yeah, be like, yeah, good I, point. I, I've always had a truck. I need a truck. His work and the kind of stuff he does, he needs a truck. So, okay, Carrie, I fully respect that. But you've got the itch. You've got the car guy itch. You sold the fun car. You've got two kids. Now you have a problem. So here we go. Carrie's budget for one or two vehicles is about Plus or minus $35,000 U.S. Obviously, he wants mm-hmm. to spend less. I'm, I'm fudging some numbers. I'm searching hard for you, Carrie. <laughs> I'm fudging some things because he's given us two scenarios. He's written in with 
you know, buy a replacement for his current truck, which would mean another truck, but then he's got a lot of money tied up in that truck, whether it's a lease, whether yeah. it's slightly used. I agree. Yeah. You know, a lot of money to tie up into that. Um, the second scenario here is having a truck, which would be a cheaper pickup mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. a fun car again, which is kind of the way I'm leaning but the recipe I am too. I know everybody's is, shocked that we're leaning that way. Yeah, the recipe of of how we allocate dollars and what you should get and what kind of truck and so mm-hmm. like I said, I kind of split it in half, Kara. I kind of went 20 grand for your truck and 20 grand for a fun car. Just depends okay. on what you can find and you know I I know you kind of need both. And obviously the reason we're going I think so too. both I is think because so too. Yeah. you can't name a fun truck or car that has a solid rear axle. I mean, really, that's going to be, you know, fun in the traditional, like, you know, we get pleasure driving sports cars, that kind of thing. You know, I was thinking like some kind of hybrid and I thought, you know what? No, just go truck. If you need a truck, you know, right tool for the job. And then yeah, that's a key thing. If you're if you're a person that needs a pickup, then go get a pickup. I I as much as I'm not a fan of them, if you have one of those lives and you have one of those jobs, you need a pickup. Guess what? Go get a pickup. Yeah, I mean that's that's just the truth of it. But but I I'm with you on the two car scenario. But my feeling and and Carrie, you're gonna have to figure out what your pain tolerance is here. But my feeling (laughs) is buy the buy the fun car first. And my guess is spend twenty five if you can on the fun car, and then figure out what kind of pickup you can get with what's left over. You talk about you. You can do a little bit of maintenance yourself. So if, if the truck is a work, if it's really a work truck, then my feeling for you is this. Get a work truck that can be that work truck that you can throw something at the bed from 10 feet away and not worry about if it dented the outside, okay? <laughs> That's the work truck you want. So don't spend much. Get that truck. Make it just run. Then on the days when you don't need the haulability of a truck, you can take your fun four-door, can take the kid's car, even to work. Yeah. And then you've got the beater yep. truck when you have to go, you know what? I got to haul stuff today. I'm taking the truck. But again, if you ding it, it's just like, eh, was a ten thousand dollar truck. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of my demeanor. Okay, so you're thinking, uh, how are you allocate, allocating dollars? Like, what are you thinking as far as how much to the sports car and how much to the truck? Have you thought about that? And then, I think, and then I think chase the twenty to twenty five grand range for for car. Okay, that's, yeah, that's All the right. sweet spot. It's twenty to twenty five grand, and then what can you do for a truck that will actually meet your needs and 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 use the truck? In in my headspace here, the truck becomes the third car. Does that make sense? Mm. Oh, yeah. The wife's yeah. got the wife's got the Jeep Grand Cherokee. He's got whatever this four door is. We're going to talk about for roughly twenty five grand. That's hopefully fun. And then on those days, he's like, "I've got to take the pickup." You pull that out of the quiver and you drive that. But maybe it's one, two days a week. Maybe because you're really driving the other car that you talk about is mixed street use and freeway driving. So get something that does that. Pull the truck out when you need it. I'm with you. This is funny. I'm I'm thinking similarly. I'm thinking two cars. I'm thinking buy the sports car first. I'm thinking spend more on that and less on the truck. This is funny. Mm-hmm. But you know what? On Kerry's car list here, he is a GM guy. I did notice his wife Definitely. had a Mustang Definitely. GT, oh, yeah, yeah. but pretty much he is American car. I see one German car and zero vehicles from the chunk of the world that produces Japanese and Asian cars. You know that? <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. None yeah, yeah. On this list, it's mostly American. Obviously, he's had a lot of Chevy trucks. He's kind of I get it, Chevy truck guy. Uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've come up with uh 3 Sports car ideas in the twenty to twenty-two thousand range, which obviously would leave okay. you a few, you know, some money left over for yeah. something yeah, yeah. decent that would run, you know, a truck that would run. 
So I came up with, first of all, a 2013 Hyundai Genesis Coupe 2.0. 20 grand. It's white here. I'm looking at it. 12,000 miles, 13,000 miles. This thing's practically brand new. And what I like about it is uh, Carrie's written into us and told us that he's interested in either sports sedans or two plus twos. So uh-huh. I'm I'm thinking two plus two in my head, and that's why I thought, aha, we did like that Hyundai Coupe. I, yeah, you know, it's yeah. personal preference, but again, as we caveat with any cars we recommend, go drive them and see if you like them. Certainly, and I I'm going to say V6 over the tur- turbo if you can do it, but you might not be able to do it for the money. I much prefer the V6 in that Pos- car. Yeah, but, possibly. Yeah, and, but unless you're going to be doing like hardcore track driving or major back back road driving where you're really going to notice weight shift, that car is going to do everything you want well. Unlike, I mean, if you look at our piece on the on the Pacific Coast Highway, we had Lotus Elise, FRS, and the Genesis Coupe. And yes. in that company, the Genesis felt enormous. But in normal <laughs> driving funny. situations. You know what? You've got it. You've got a great choice there. It's actually a good recommendation. I really like that. Keep going. My other two are actually kind of twins, and that is okay. both 2011s. They're the Nissan 370Z or a 2011 Infiniti G37. Found one here for hmm. 21.9 with the Sport Appearance Package, 43,000 miles in lovely light blue, and uh, man, this thing's this thing's pretty sharp. I think. All, so all three of these cars are two plus twos. So therefore, I'm thinking, carry your kids. You know, you want to take your kids with you. Maybe you and your wife, mm-hmm. you know, night on the town, get away, just go for a Possibly. drive, that kind Possibly. of thing. And best of all, they're, they'll be great commuters. So whether you get a manual or automatic, they'd be great commuter cars, decent on the be fuel fun mileage. cars to be in. I see that. I see that. They're a bit bigger, and they're not in the full hardcore sports driving autocross category, but... That's not the idea that Kerry's wanting. I think he's just wanting kind no, of No, that's clearly not. That's not his not his world. I mean, here interesting car. you you leaned interesting you leaned toward the 2 plus 2 because here's here's the thing Kerry hasn't told us. He says he's got two kids still in car seats. Well, is this rear-facing monster trash can size car seats or are these the tiny little boosters because the world changes a lot depending upon car seat size. Sure, sure. So you, you may have to be that guy, Carrie, and by the way, I encourage you to be this guy who goes to the place where you're looking at a car for the first time and you pull the car seat out of your truck and you see, does it even fit? Be that guy. <laughs> Embrace being that yeah, guy. I, awesome. I say that as a parent. I mean, and I'll say this about the FRS. The FRS is technically a two plus two. I have one son and a wife who is only 5'7", okay? You would think we could all fit fine in that car. No, we can't, okay? <laughs> my son is five, my son is five, and, and he and my wife get into a fight about how much leg room he can have. Now, he does not have enormous legs, but he would be better off if he had no legs. I'm just putting that out there. And she's not tall, okay? So the, the FRS, while technically is a two plus two, it really kind of isn't. Now, if it's me in the car and nobody in the passenger seat and my son in the back, he's thrilled. But, of course, by that point, the passenger seat is way up front. Right, right. So now you're talking about that G37 uh, coupe and that uh, Genesis coupe. Both of those are larger cars. So you check the back seats of those. They may work for you. In that two plus two world, you, you said you're v- vaguely interested in German cars. You're not sure. I'm going to say to you, E46 M3. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have to check the back seats of that one too, but that would get you a car that you could get for this budget. It's not a you know crazy turbo like we were talking about it before. It's not a crazy turbo BMW. It's a classic BMW. 
great dynamics, still has aged really well, great to look at. That is a fantastic enthusiast car. I cannot honestly remember now how big those back seats are. I'm a little worried about them not being much bigger than the FRS, but that's one of those you could check out and see. But I'm worried about the scale of your car seats. Two cars you've called out, Carrie, are the uh, the, G, the G8 GT, so the Pontiac G8, Mm-hmm. And the Lexus right. IS 300. And you know what? As a Chevy guy, to you, Carrie, I would say, yes, shop that Pontiac G8. I do love that recommendation. I've got two others, but I think you have actually settled on something really well for yourself, Carrie, in recommending the G8. Hmm. All right. So what other uh, options do you have? Anything else uh, on your mind? Well, I mean, you... You made the comment where you said he hasn't chosen any Japanese brands. And I'm reading Kerry's story and realizing he's looking for a car that when he just takes it on his commute, it feels kind of unique and fun and enthusiast. But it's got to have worthwhile back seats. So yeah. Kind of going, okay, that's kind of interesting yeah. blending. So I settled on two. All right. You have, to, you have to shop used on both. But here's two that you haven't even thought about. One is get a used Subaru STI or a used Evo. Yeah, yeah. Both of those would be fun. Because if Asian you want to go, exactly, if you want to go drive them hard, they are going to do everything. But if you want to open up those rear doors and put enormous trash can size rear facing child seats, bring it. Mm. Okay? Mm. And if, if you're and if you're going to a work site, this is the thing about it, Carrie. If you're going to a work site, let's just say for sake of argument, because of your, your truck usage, you're going to a work site that's not on a great road or, you know, it's not a, not a perfect kind of situation where if you had your BMW, you'd be like, I don't know. Take your Evo. Take your STI. Because why not? They actually are made for gravel and, you know, light off-roading. Absolutely. So, So, you know, depending Hmm. upon where you're going, Carrie, you might even have days where because of the workplace location, you kind of need the truck. But if you don't need to haul anything, take the STI. Call it a day. Have fun. Enjoy. I I think those are worth looking at. I guess, uh, Carrie, I recommended Asian cars because I was looking at your list here. Not only did I see none of them on your car ownership list in your life, but mainly because Mm -hmm. you are a parent. And I thought, "Eh, I don't want to recommend some high-strung, high-performance, high-maintenance German car. Yes. That's why I'm thinking Asian. That's a concern. And that's why I I, I like Todd's suggestions too. I totally see that. So I was thinking 2 plus 2 works for you. I love the STI and the Evo. I'm actually kind of leaning more towards the Evo because it's a bit more, I don't know, I think unique and mm-hmm. fun. And, you know, of course we love it. So yeah, that's why I'm thinking Asian. It would be certainly reliable, less maintenance, even though you write in here that you can fix stuff yourself and you kind of like it. But I'm just thinking, you know, we all have such little time as it is. I yeah. don't want you to be and saddled I- with maintenance bills and repair costs and I did like stuff, your so. I did like your infinity infinity uh uh coupe recommendation and you know conversely you could go infinity sedan yeah you maybe could. you know you blend the worlds that's a real possibility you're talking about the same engine and running gear and I mean it's those are still really good we should move on though to Devor in Chicago who this is, is writing us with uh for also there's another kind of me and my wife kind of story coming out of Chicago here uh, but he's saying that he and his wife used to both have company cars, and now they've got new new jobs, and they need, he says, a new car. So I'm guessing one of them is solved somehow, but the other one needs a new car. Their budget is up to forty grand, and I have to apologize right now. Don't know if you noticed this in this email, Paul, but I kind of feel like I owe Devor an apology, and here's why. Okay. Uh, they watched uh, the recent video on uh, the Cayenne. Did you see this in the email? Well, they watched the recent video. Both he and his wife watched the recent video of the Cayenne, the fact that I got my wife a Cayenne, and his wife went, you know, oh, yeah. what we need is an SUV. I'm sorry. 
I'm, I'm sorry. Here, here's the thing. I will acknowledge this reality, and it, and it is it is a it is a real thing. Okay, the the hottest selling segment in cars right now is the five seat almost SUV. I mean, the, one of our rock stars in that world is the Mazda CX five. So just picture that car is what we're talking about. But even the new Porsche Macan is that size. Mm-hmm. Every automaker is getting into that world because they cannot make them fast enough. And as ridiculous as it is. The reason they're so popular is because there is a large segment of the population, and I hate to say it, but a lot of the a lot of it is the female population that just sitting higher gives the impression you're safer. Now that is a bait and switch. It's not really true, but that is a real perception. And you know, my wife's a truck girl, and she's always had huge body on frame trucks prior to Arcadia, and now has a Cayenne. I mean, she likes that ride height. I'm not getting her out of it. I get it. The Cayenne has been a nice blending of the sports car performance that I want, and she's actually taken to it as well, with the size and scale that she wants. So I'm, I, I apologize that that's kind of now <laughs> getting you in an I SUV discussion. I, just... I will say that they're, they're out there and they can be worthwhile if it meets your needs, but I'm going to talk to cars instead because that's what you've asked for. I'd like to do the same, Dever. I, I kind of... Well, I've said this before, and even though I acknowledge the fact that, yes, those SUVs are huge sellers, primarily for the reason of holding more stuff, people and gear and that kind of stuff, and that midsize offers better handling, it offers a bit more compact size for parking and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to come back to the thing I've said a lot, and that is my personal opinion that the safest cars are the one that can out-accelerate, out-break, or out-handle the danger or dangerous situation, whatever that might be. And therefore, that does not always mean that gigantic Yukon or SUV Mm -hmm. or something like that. In many cases, the safest car is a German sports sedan or something like that that can outhandle or, you know, say you've got two big rigs and you're in the middle and you've got to punch the gas and get away from them. The car with more power, even though it sounds crazy, the car that's way more powerful, that's my personal opinion. If you have a different opinion, please write. I'd be curious to hear because I just – I don't feel like, you know, punching through an accident or being a pinball through an accident and just sort of waiting for it to happen is the best idea. (laughs) I feel like avoiding it in the first place is the safer route and therefore – I see that. I see that. I can see why, you know, especially the Cayenne, it's the best handling SUV in that size class out there. It can do all those things, and so that's why I like it so much. But just to have a giant car yeah. because it's "quote unquote" safe, I disagree. I really do. So yeah, I hear that, and and that's and that's the big dilemma. I mean, this is not this is not an uncommon dilemma he's having. It's it's a real it's a real reality. It's a real headspace. Yeah, it's something you're going to have yeah. to debate. I'm, I'm sorry that I've opened that can of worms in your household, <laughs> but let's talk about cars, shall we? You you've actually brought out three that you like. You've said you like the the BMW 5 Series, the Audi A6, and the Lexus GS. And I'm going to ask this question right up front. You haven't told us this. Why that big? Because all of those cars now have gotten fairly large. I mean, if you think Mm -hmm. about it, those cars are the size of like the 7 Series and the S-Class 10 years ago. If it's just you and your wife, you don't need a car that big. I mean, let's get you away from the SUV and cars that large. Let's get you in, I feel like, the class below, like the 3 Series size, the current 3 Series size, I feel like is the better, better match. I'm I'm with you. I I can see that. You know, maybe they have some sort of need or just, you know, maybe they want to take friends or just a, a larger car for road trips. You know, we don't know, but yeah, I I kind I of guess, agree with you I, for a you know, smaller car just for, you know, especially if you're in Chicago, just for parking. I mean, shoot. Mm-hmm. 
just parking alone. Um, so, Davar, I say if you said you love the BMW 5 Series, and I will, I will never steer you away from a car. If you come in with preconceptions and say, well, I love this car, don't ignore that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, if that's yeah. working for you, yeah, you yeah, love yeah. it, I see that. buy it. I see You'll that. be happy. The end, you know? So, yeah, yeah, 5 Series are great cars. But I, I have a couple suggestions here that are a little bit smaller and maybe things you haven't thought about. I'm kind of hoping you do, too. Yeah, well, I mean, the the key thing, and we always say it, and we beat it in, into the ground, and that is you have to go drive multiple things. And if you can drive mm-hmm. multiple things on the same yeah. day, you like that 5 Series. So I think the key thing we're saying here is go drive the 5 Series is like your, your litmus test benchmark to start your driving day and then go buy it, drive a bunch of other stuff. But yeah. I actually, I would love to get you into the scale just below that. So drive the 3 instead of the 5. Or drive the 5 and then the 3 back-to-back to get a sense. Because I, unless you're hauling more than I realize... I don't think you need anything that big. And the same would go for the Audi. I would say A4 over A6. But in Lexus world, I would say absolutely IS over GS. I love that you I said just, that. I, I, I'm sorry. The GS, look, the GS, they have done a really good job with a car that I just don't understand why it's that big. I just don't get it. Maybe if you, maybe you need a car that big. But I just every time I'm in the GS, honestly, every time I've been in the GS, and I've even been in the GS F Sport, every time I've been in the GS, I've just thought, it doesn't need to be this big. Why am I not in the IS? I, that's, that's my takeaway on that car. You know, I was thinking back to the shoot that you and I did uh, with the C- 3 Series, uh, the new body style, F, uh, mm-hmm. was it F80 body style. Uh, it's, it's, they're, in the, they're into the F. They're into the F word. I don't know where F they word, are. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, I'm, that, I'm too tired shoot, tonight to remember. Uh, that yeah. shoot yeah, with yeah. The, the Lexus IS350 and the Cadillac ATS, and it made me think of those two mm-hmm. cars. And because of your budget, uh, Davar, I was thinking the Lexus IS250, maybe, if you don't need quite that much power. The chassis is still there. The dynamics are still there. Mm-hmm. We like You've got to go car. F-Sport, though. You have to go F-Sport. Uh, do they make the F-Sport in the 250, or do you have to bump up to I'm the bigger engine? I'm almost certain that you do, but but Because it just way. increased the price. And I thought, well, you know, if you if you like the car and you want to save some money, maybe the 250. We haven't driven that car with that engine, but I expect it will still be something we, that we like. Obviously, we'd prefer the 350 F-Sport. But don't ignore the Cadillac sure. ATS with the 2-liter turbo engine, because you can mm-hmm. also get that car with all-wheel drive. And despite the Q navigation system, we loved that car and came away <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I love the despite the in the middle of that recommendation. I, I hate Very to nice. say it, but it, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, and if you can, if you feel like you're cool with it, great. It's not terrible, but yeah. you kind of get what I'm saying here. The car mm-hmm. itself, yeah, yeah. with that engine, great car. Love the styling. As a matter of fact, I, I like it better than the Lexus, and probably better than BMW mm-hmm. too. It's got a great look to it, and. Uh, yeah, go watch the review just to get uh, the the sense the for ATS those cars is, and those dynamics. Um, the ATS is a great looking car in that market segment. When you see it in 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 real life in motion, I think it's a better looking car than you realize until you see it. Like, yeah. That's a good looking car. I, I feel like, especially in, we had it in like a weird, like metallic silver, almost gold color. I didn't really like that color, but I've seen them in red. <laughs> I've seen them in black, and they look great in those colors. Um, so yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Champagne metallic. Metallic, exactly. Perfect. Yeah, that, that's a that's a huge seller. Uh, <laughs> and especially if you can get that nice that nice brown interior that they do. I mean, that, bleh, I, that was actually color wise, that was one of the worst press cars I've ever had. I remember you griping about that too. That was, it was great to drive, but color combination. I was like, really? I mean, here was the thing. Here was I'm, I'm off on a tangent. I'm off on a rant. Actually, yes, you here are. was a Cadillac. Here was a Cadillac that everything about the driving dynamics 
was walking away from Cadillac's reputation of being an old person car, and yet the color scheme was old person I car. I was like, guys, you you're, you're, you're killing me here. Where's a nice red with a great gorgeous black interior with silver accents to pull me away? But no, no, it was a, like you said, it was a fish scale metallic with a brown interior. Okay? You've got to be kidding. So don't do that. But yeah, ATS is a good one. I've got a couple others. I'm curious. What about, what about the Infinity Q50? The one that replaced the G thirty seven, that G that G class. Uh, you're that Q fifty is there. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking the new yeah. one. You can get it all wheel drive, you can get it rear wheel drive. You know what? I we drove that car, we actually drove it on a track. It's not an amazing car dynamically, but it is solid. And here's the thing about it. It, it is actually a really good looking car in motion. The first time I saw it on a stand, I was like, what's Infinity doing? And I still kind of feel that way. Yeah. But yeah. It, I've seen a few on the freeway. I've like passed them on the freeway and been like, that's a good-looking car. And it's, it's, an, it's an all-ceramic. It's forgotten a lot, but it's a good-looking car. And then I have one other one. Hmm. I'm looking up Infinity's website right now because I'm so curious. Okay. If, here's the thing. Davor, if you're, if you're in love with the BMW 5 Series, there's a car you have to drive. If your budget is really thirty-five to forty grand, and you like the five series, go drive the five series. But if you like that size car, which now again we're in a big car, I don't know that you need that big, but you are in a big car. If you like cars that size, you have that kind of money, you have to drive the Chevy SS. Oh yeah, yeah because yeah, it's yeah. it's the five. It let's be honest, it's the five series that BMW doesn't make anymore. It's the more analog, a little bit more of a bruiser five series feeling car, but it's a Chevy. And they can't sell them very well, so you can get deals. And you could even get it, if you can find one, with the stick shift and the magnetic ride control, I'm going to say to you, game over. There's your car. Maybe there's like 80-year-olds still working in the color and trim department at GM, and that's why that color scheme Maybe. is still in the ATS. Maybe. That was, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah, I, I did not like it at hmm. all. This Q50 here is – that's cool. By the way, it's that drive-by wire system, but I believe for 2015 mm-hmm. or 16 they are getting rid of it or have gotten rid of it. No, maybe not. Direct adaptive steering, digital steering. I just want a steering rack. I don't want digital. I don't want it to, you know, with a 6D changer and a turbocharger on the steering rack. I just want to steer the car. (laughs) You just want to be connected to the wheels. I want to be connected to the road. I understand. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But it actually wasn't bad. We did like that car. And, uh, you know, we should we should do a proper review on that one. We we haven't yeah, uh, really done. It's absolutely worth looking at. Too many infinities, and I noticed the G series coupes are now the Q40. Yay. Yeah, it's just Q yeah, everything. All, yay renaming. But oh, anyway, I say look at the coupe. SS. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, I anyway. say look at the SS. I think that's a worthwhile one. If you're going to go big cars, but I would try to talk you into something smaller. Hopefully that's been helpful. <laughs> we, we, we stopped doing half-hour podcasts a few months ago, I think. Kind of it's blew now past that 40, date, didn't we? Yeah, it's now just like the 45-minute everyday driver car debate. But we're here for you anyway. If you're looking for us, we are Everyday Driver. Wherever you're looking for us, it is probably slash Everyday Driver. That applies to YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. We're on all of those. We're reading all of your comments, all of your questions, all of your recommendations. One of us is putting our eyes on it. Sometimes that takes a while. But we promise you we're reading, so please keep writing in because we love hearing from you. We've got some great stuff planned through the rest of the year. Believe me, we are still planning. Things are coming together. We're doing more track stuff. Fast Blast content, write to us with suggestions for that on our Facebook page and with your own debate, everydaydrivertv at mm-hmm. gmail.com. You've heard us say it before. And thank you so much for writing in. I love the conversations. And I, like I said before, somebody has written, I wish this whole podcast were a three-way conversation. 
It kind of feels like that sometimes, but write to us with with uh, you know as much information that would help us recommend the best car for you. Because yeah, we kind of are your car therapists, so it's it's fun. We love what we do, and uh, <laughs> we're having fun over here. So thanks for tuning in, thanks for listening, thanks for watching on YouTube. That's huge for us, and uh, don't forget to rate and review. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah.